warning. What you're about to hear is unsupervised. Welcome back to Unsupervised Season 2, Episode 6. I'm your host, Colin Beswick, joined today by fellow Stanley Cup of Chowder staff writers and editors, Sky and Sean. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. How are you? Doing, doing just doing, fine. How are you? Doing good. Having a little bit of a whiskey here after a long day. Ready to talk some hockey. So. Whiskey sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We are recording on a Monday night, and it's already been a long week, so definitely need it. <laughs> oh, it's just going to get so much longer. <laughs> yeah, the holiday season is so, like, I've never truly experienced any other time of the year where a, where a week can feel like a month, just because of all the sh- uh, crap you've got to do in just a short amount of time, and then it feels like it blew by once Christmas Eve and day are over with. I, I guarantee you, I will remember nothing about the myriad of things I did in the last week. Yeah, you guys got all your Christmas shopping done? Because uh, that's what I spent like, <laughs> all weekend doing. <laughs> uh, listen to me, Colin. <laughs> this is very carefully planned. And it's Just... probably going to be done right by December 23rd. Boy. <laughs> just by booze booze is the best gift for everyone wait is is i have a the tree santa for a toddler i can't give them booze you shouldn't give them booze <laughs> <laughs> to be but clear that's what i'm gonna do yeah yeah definitely uh it's, it's busy uh busy time of year for all of us um on the oh, bright yeah. side the bruins managed to pick up four points over the last two games, obviously a, a pretty huge win uh, against what's quickly oh. becoming maybe the Bruins' biggest rival, modern rival in the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is uh, a topic that a lot of people are talking about. Um, I was wondering if you guys think, you know, are the, are the Montreal Canadiens still the Bruins' true rival, or do you think that Toronto has sort of crept in over the last few years? Um. You could take it first, guy. Me first? Um, (laughs) Fine. I'll take the buck on this one. Um, I think Toronto recently has become more obnoxious. Um, For a time, I thought that it was actually Ottawa because for whatever reason, they just couldn't get past the freaking Senators no matter what they did. But that was all just uh, regular season stuff. Toronto recently can't stand them they just can't stand the Bruins they can't stand anything about them the fans are whenever any other team comes into town they're pretty respectful the second Boston comes into town or they come to Boston their dander is so raised they're angry and you just can't imagine at least especially a couple years ago when the Leafs were so uh, completely out of the running and no one really cared about anything other than the fact that the Leafs were so bad that they pick up such a viciousness to them. I never thought that I would have such strong opinions about the Leafs that I normally would reserve for the Habs because I hate the Habs still. Always <laughs> will. Never, will. never won't. Scum of the earth. Hate all the things they stand for and all that. 
but the ha- the Leafs are getting there. I feel like one more first round of this, and they will be right up in my upper echelon of uh, haterdom, I guess. Yeah, so I'm curious what Sean thinks, but I, I, I don't really have any issue with the, the Leafs themselves. The fan base can be challenging at times. It's a, mm. a nice way to say that, I would say, but uh, I actually enjoy watching the Leafs play, especially in their current uh, form with all the sort of offensive power that you they know. have. But uh, it is with talent. You can just call it talent. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of that. Definitely a lot of talent. But uh, what do you think, Sean? Huge step up. I mean, I think it's just a matter of of who in the division is good and challenges the Bruins at the time. Like, I don't think I think we're in a day and age that. Well, I mean, in previous years, like when we're talking like the '70s and everything, when this when this rivalry was, you know, sort of at its peak. Um, like salary cap wasn't a thing. So, you know, these two, you know, the uh, Bruins and Canadians can kind of spend and keep good teams every year where that's harder to do now. And I think we're kind of in a day and age where rivalries, at least off the ice when it comes to kind of like fan bases, is more of of performance-based. And, you know, the Bruins and the Leafs have been good for these last couple of years and obviously have met in the playoffs. Um, And so I just think that, you know, that kind of plays into it. I mean, they've always kind of been like sort of a rival and it's just, you know, at its peak right now. And then when the Leafs are not good come April, you know, it won't be as big of a deal. And you know, the the Buffalo Sabres, you know, if they get better, and the Canadians, which I don't really see a bright future for them, you know, they could possibly become, you know, bigger rivals as the Leafs kind of step down. As, oh the, you know, the Tavares contract kills the entire franchise. Oh. <laughs> so, I, I, no... you, you touched on something that I'm terrified of. Buffalo fans are nuts to a man, every single one of them. I don't want to see even one game where we could say they could become their rivals because they get the knives out for anything. Yo, I actually, I, am... I actually like Buffalo fans. I have a ton of respect for you know fans that can hang, well, hang in there with uh, some some pretty terrible teams, at least in my lifetime. But uh, with some... and of other people's lifetimes, <laughs> lots your of, father lots and your lifetime. grandfathers, yeah. all lifetimes. Um, but oh, I think Sean's, Sean's right for sure when it comes to rivalries. Like the the quality of the team is probably the biggest factor. You know, no one. I, I think that's the larger reason why the Canadians' rivalry has been lackluster over the last two or three seasons. Is just they haven't been very good. But with Toronto, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's just that you know we play them more than most other teams, or that they're good. I, I think there's some some legitimate hatred there between players and fans, obviously, with the, you know, the, the 4-1 uh, playoff well, loss. You know, and, but also... It's always, not just that, it's always that something stupid happens in these games. Yeah, be, seemingly like clockwork. Beat me to it. I was, like... I was, <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I think we have to at least touch on, like, you know, it's hard. There's, not, there's no true starting point because the teams have been playing for 100 years, but you know, obviously there was the, uh, the the cadre hit on Wingles last year, which was just awful. And I think, you know, 
we've yeah. sort of seen that boil over at different points up until this past weekend where we saw Toronto take exception to a cross check from McAvoy and Marner and then, you know, Hyman's losing his mind running around the ice trying to trying to get McAvoy and eventually succeeds, obviously. But uh I think as much as the talent's a big part of it, I think there's some legitimate bad blood there. And also these teams are generally playing for something when they're playing each other, even in the regular season, you know, those points are, are huge points between the two of them. So it's made for oh, yeah. a very entertaining uh I can't call it a new rivalry, but maybe a, a reinvigorated rivalry is a reignited rivalry. Yeah. There you go. It's a rebooted rivalry. Always works out. Just ask Hollywood. Yeah, it's a, I'll say it's a little one sided, I would say. <laughs> In the Bruins' favor, I mean, but uh, that that team's legit. I won't go that far. No, it's definitely been back and forth. I'm gonna, I'll be right out and say, sometimes Boston has just kind of laid eggs against them, even when crazy crap happened, and I think that just made it even more uh, vicious. Because sometimes, because I think in some Leafs fans' way, uh, minds, they quote unquote know that this team can be better than them. And then Boston just kind of drags them right back down into physical possession style hockey that just really doesn't play well to their strengths. And it must drive their fans absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's that. I think that really works out. There's that. And there's also, you know, Pasternak. Big, big, oh, yeah. big part <laughs> of it too. Yeah. Dude loves to score against the Leafs. I love watching him score, so. Leafs games are kind of circled on my calendars. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever, oh, seen, ever seen an opponent who just absolutely, uh, whatever whatever the reason is, just absolutely dominates one team seemingly every time they play. But uh, no complaints here. I'll keep watching that. Every time. I'll get there early. Don't mind me. Just pouring more whiskey here. <laughs> um. But we should, uh, obviously, segueing from the Leafs into, you know, we were talking about some of the, the stupider things we've seen on ice over the last uh, few matchups. Obviously, the last couple of days, big, big topic was McAvoy returning from uh, quite a long uh, concussion recovery, well over a month. Terrifyingly wrong. Very, 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 very scarily long. Yeah, it, it is. Whether you're a fan, media, family just whatever seeing someone out that long with a head injury is absolutely like it's sobering for sure. But uh, on, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, you, you hope that the league and teams on their own are taking the head injuries more seriously. And I'd like to think that that factors into it too, where they're making sure that these players are absolutely ready to come back before they do. But, you know, with McAvoy, he comes back in his second game. And like I said, you know, Zach Hyman of all people is, you know, chasing him around the ice and finally lands a, a pretty obviously egregious hit on him. Um, before we get into the suspension, I'm curious what uh, what your thoughts are on the hit. Is it as bad as those in Boston are making it out to be? Is it, you know, did you think it was not bad at all, like some in Toronto are? I'm just curious to gauge how you guys feel. Um, I, I think... I mean, when you look at the punishment, it's probably fair. Like, it was a – he was obviously targeting McAvoy. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch um, explanation video. Um, but it wasn't anything 
I don't think it's maybe as bad as some are making out to be. It's all of, of who you're around and, um, yeah, but I don't think it was like a clean hit. Like some are saying that, you know, McAvoy was admiring his pass. I don't think that was true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a pretty bad hit. It just all depends on who you're around and who you're hearing from that, you know, kind of determines if it's as bad as, as people are making out to be. Yeah. I have some, uh, some thoughts on the admiring your past stuff I've been seeing around, but we try and keep, <laughs> we try and keep the podcast uh, pretty PG. So I'll, I'll leave it alone, but I, I, and yet you brought me on board. Yeah. 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 But, uh, my my thoughts on it are I was there. I saw it happen in real time. And uh, I can tell you that Zach Hunt, you were you every time you said he was chasing around the ice, uh, he was practically trying to get that one hit off several times throughout the game and he finally hit flush. Um th- to the idea that they were admiring his pass, that means that you just turn up ice and go after the freaking puck you are, say, a Zach Hyman type who doesn't have to go and make that kind of hit. It's ridiculous to me that he didn't get immediately penalized for it or if he didn't or even he got uh, immediately picked up to uh, picked up on. And frankly, almost a minute later, that whole kerfuffle at center ice was ridiculous. Then because they didn't go after, they didn't catch him in the moment. It just asked for more bloodshed, and Chris Wagner was all but happy to oblige. And that's why these, why so many people have ignored the fact that, in my opinion, the referees, especially in that game, dropped the ball like nobody else. Like the, at least in some cases, it was the uh, offsetting penalties they sometimes gave out was fine. The rest of the game was ridiculous. They had no control over what was going on. And the few times they tried to, it was like they, they, they were just trying to separate two kids that, on the playground that just couldn't stand each other when they were throwing haymakers at each other. It was absolutely insane. It was a terrible, stupid hit that begot another terrible, stupid hit. And... It's just another beautiful chapter in this stupid, stupid rivalry that has only gotten dumber and dumber with each passing game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the refs. That was something I had, you know, here in my notes to mention too, because you know it. It's obviously easy to bag on the officials. You know, oftentimes, sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's not. I think at a high level in games like that. You know, the referee's job is as much to control the game as it is to actually, you know, do the the minute-to-minute refereeing of a game. And I think they totally lost. They lost the plot in that game. You know, it got out of control, and they really did nothing to to help calm it down. And, again, I I try not to, to get on too much, but that's one where if I'm the head of officials, I'm probably looking at that and maybe even saying, like, you know, here's some things you could have done better because it should not have gotten to that point in this game, rivalry or not. You know, you sort of have to do your best to control. Um, but on the hit itself, I, I did want to sort of give a little analysis on it too because, you know, obviously we cover the Bruins. Um, some of us grew up fans 
of the Bruins. Um, you know, so it can be tough to, to look at a hit impartially or objectively, but some of the stuff I'm seeing out there about the Hyman hit not being worth a penalty or let alone a suspension and all that stuff, I, I don't understand it. I know, Sean, you mentioned you didn't get a chance to watch the video, but it was pretty short and sweet from player safety. Said it was, and I quote, extremely late, that it was predatory, quote unquote, that it was high, quote unquote, and that McAvoy was wholly unsuspecting, quote unquote. I mean, that that's pretty much, that's much higher than your head and his elbow and from almost behind. Yeah, and I, I think. Again, I understand it. You know, if you're if you're a Leafs fan or unfortunately a Leafs media member, we've seen <laughs> as well. But I get it. Sometimes it's tough to objectively look at things that happens to me, happens to all of us. But the thing that I think a lot of people are really, really missing, and I'm glad that the player safety pointed out too, is that at no point did Charlie McAvoy have any idea that Hyman was coming in for that hit. He was turned, and Hyman follows a path all the way in as he takes his strides where he is completely in a blind spot from McAvoy. And, you know, it was a predatory hit. We all know that. Even Leafs fans should should be able to admit as much. And I, I just think that's where they're missing this. I know people brought up the, the Ryan Reeves hit on Tom Wilson. And I, I know no one's going to be objective about Tom Wilson. I get it. I'm guilty of it, too. But I went certainly not going to get any from me. No, I I went back and looked at multiple angles over and over today to sort of compare the two. And I can see why people think they're similar and there are some similarities. It is a bit of a blindside hit, but it's not the same. You know, Tom Wilson could see or had the ability to see that Ryan Reeves was coming. Should Ryan Reeves have played that hit? No. Should he have been penalized? Yes. But you have to look at things in degrees and factor in all the context. And to me, that Hyman hit had absolutely no purpose other than to hurt Charlie McAvoy, which he had been trying to do practically all night. So I don't know if that's my two cents. That's me stepping off the, the pulpit there. But, uh, but I, <laughs> I just, well, the senator yield. <laughs> so I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I was pretty quick on, on the old uh, Twitter machine to, to get on the pulpit and say, like, you know, it's just a filthy hit. And, and, you know, I don't think Hyman's a dirty player. He has no track record of it. I know he's very well thought of, but, you know, that happens. Clean players make bad hits. That was a bad hit. Which leads me into the Chris Wagner hit, which we have all experienced the the joys of what aboutism. You know, anyone who covers mm-hmm. a team that employs Bradley Marchand is gonna get the yep. the butt Marchand, and we've all been there. I know that we've all had to deal with that. So that I mean that happened with the Chris Wagner hit. I full disclosure did not like the Wagner hit either. I think it's okay to say that, but I also think it's okay to say like I don't think it rose to the level of suspension. He got penalized, should have been penalized. It was absolutely an attempt to hurt one of their star players. Not a fan of it. Don't want it in the game. Curious what you guys think. Pure retaliation. Um, Pure retaliation as far as I'm concerned. It's, they didn't catch, they didn't catch Hyman. Uh, The Bruins felt slighted and they had been hearing on and on for days and days at that point that they weren't tough. They weren't, uh, they weren't all that physical. And even if, you know, the smart thing for a player to do is say, yeah, whatever, I'm in the NHL and you're not, shut up and move on with their day. You know, I'm sure, especially the way that that game unfolded, 
that there was that little back of the back of the mind moment where they said, you know what? No, I'm going to show this guy what a real hit looks like. And I'm going to show him what it, what's going to happen. And there you go. You had, you also happened to take out Morgan Riley and I'm sure they felt real good about it in the moment. It was entertaining as hell to watch in person. I will be man enough to admit that I kind of had a oh moment, but after thinking about it and really kind of going through that whole game and going through all the penalty minutes and all that, it was just a stupid predatory hit that came about because the referees didn't make the right call or didn't even make a call to begin with. So, yeah, predatory hit. Stupid, retaliatory, predatory hit. All right, Sean, lay it on us. What do you think? I mean, I'm still confused at at um, what the penalties were with, like, the Hyman and Grizzlick thing because, like, I know McAvoy got a misconduct for equipment, right, during the fight. Yes. And then there's a cross-checking. So – and they were, like um, – at least what they were telling us in the press box, like we were kind of getting like false information at first. And then they're like changing it. Like initially with the Wagner thing, like they told us like Stephen Camper, which obviously like, wasn't yeah, they talked true. Uh, and we all knew that in there. They did. I, I was actually thinking for a second, I don't think he was on the ice for that. And then they had to correct that in the middle of the game out loud on the, on the PA. So I don't even know if they, if they knew what the hell that was going yeah, on. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They did say it so in you're, the uh, you're, over the. Uh, you're telling intercom. me the NHL gets things wrong. I don't. I don't believe that. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't right? know if if the major how the penalties offset because it was a five minute major for interference, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yes. And then so there was some offsetting major on Grizzly, yeah, he, he, which I just didn't he quite got a, understand. Equipment violation because his stuff wasn't tucked in or something i don't know i know yeah the his uniform yeah. came off and they're supposed to be strapped in the back but it's not like that's like a magic strap either um so i don't understand like what are you supposed to do like during a fight like hold your jersey down i think that's i think that's not what the rule is made for um and i mean the refs could have could have possibly bypassed that the fact that they're playing at five on five at that time is what led to Chris Wagner on the ice, uh, being on the ice. And I think if we we're talking about, you know, two minute, you know, instigator for Grizzlick and then three minutes of power play time, you know, for the major with Hyman, um, you know, I think we don't see that hit happen. I think, you know, we see, you know, justice is served. Bruins might score a power play goal or even two. And, you know, we walk away from the game, you know, without that Wagner hit. I wasn't a fan of it. I actually missed it live because, like, I'm too busy, you know, trying to keep up and and writing and getting the highlights out and everything because I was covering the game. In fairness, that game happened at, like, um, 110 miles an hour so. I don't blame you at all if well, you missed anything. That, that small uh that small window, I mean the the Hyman hit occurred nine fifty-three, um, with nine fifty-three gone in the third, and then the Wagner thing was 
uh, a minute later at 10:55, gone in the in the third. I'm not gonna do the math to like uh, to change that around, but you know, so it was like a minute later. So I didn't quite see it live. I saw the replay and whatever. And like I I remember in like the locker room Saturday night, you know, like someone I think someone said to Wagner, I was turning around. We were. I want to say it was like Krejci or something was where the mob was at at the moment. And then Wagner kind of came in and I think someone was like, what was up with that hit? And he just goes to him, you know, it was legal. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy said that. And then he, you know, he said that obviously when he was asked um, by the media and um, I mean, it was definitely a charge. Like, I think it was right to call it a charge. But, you know, he was out to injure as well. And I don't really think that's something you want to see as a response from your organization. I think you want to play, you know, clean. And, like, you don't – like, two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't a fan of it. I understand where they come from. And then, you know, they try to reason with it by saying, you know, there was no nothing back from the Leafs, which I don't think you are going to see anything back. I think it was – I don't know. You just at that point in the game, I don't remember if it was six two or if it was six one, whatever it was. I mean, it was a blowout. Yes, it was. It was six two. Okay. Yeah, because Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews' goal was at uh, nine thirty. Um, so you know, it's like six two. Like, let's just go home, and you know, like Bruins had a game in Ottawa. I don't know what the Leafs were up to. I think they uh, I don't think they they definitely didn't have a game. Are they playing right now? Uh, they're probably playing right now. Let me just double check. But you know, it's just yes. You just kind of want to go home at that point, you know, like just call it call it a game. It was a good game and and start yes. over. Yeah. You're going to meet again where they meet in the spring cuz they played three times now. Yeah. You know, and then there's a possibility you play in the playoffs and you just go about, you know, your business. So I don't know. I felt it was a little unnecessary. I understand why the Bruins are frustrated, but you know, it's just kind of, you gotta be more professional about it in my opinion. And, and just kind of move on. I think with Wagner, you can dissect it and you probably, we should really break it down frame by frame and look at all that stuff. But I, it, it wasn't, like it wasn't as dirty, I guess is the word I would use as the Hyman hit. And I don't think it's really up for debate, but I think you can also clearly and objectively state the purpose of that hit was to hurt their star player. And I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Like I, I don't want it. There had already been, you know, a fight it ended up being two or three or whatever there was there. But, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. Like, like you said, my parents, shout out to the Beswick family. You know, my, my dad always used to say, like, you know, nothing good happens after midnight or whatever, you know, when I was growing up. Like, don't go out and do dumb stuff. But it's sort of like in garbage time and hockey, like, you sort of know, you know, when it gets to a blowout point and you have five or six minutes left, you know there's going to be some dumb hits. There's going to be guys chasing each other around. There's going to be scrums. There might be a fight or two. And it's just like, don't, don't. Like, especially if you're up, you're winning, just – just skate it out, finish the game, get on the plane, get on the bus, whatever. Like, there's just no need to risk your guys getting hurt, especially when you're already, like, decim- decimated at this point. 
But, oh, yeah. But that, that sort of, I'll, I'll use that as its own segue here into the current rallying cry within certain segments of not only the Bruins fan base, but Leafs fan base and probably others too, if, if I'm paying attention, is that, you know, do the, do the Bruins and other teams need an enforcer? Is there a lack of toughness? You know, where's the grit? And I don't know, I, I've evolved, I guess, if that's the word we want to use over the years on this. Growing up, I was absolutely a big fan of fighting. I still enjoy it, albeit uh, with a bit bit of guilt, if I'm being being honest. But I'm not a I'm not an enforcer guy. I don't think we need Sean Thornton or, you know, we don't need to trade for Lucic or whatever. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Is there any merit to this? Is it just the same thing we hear every year at a certain point? Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, say that it's that evolution is a wonderful thing. I'm glad that you got went through some personal evolution, and I'd also like to thank uh, Cro-Magnon Man for not only getting over his interest in Fire Bad, <laughs> but also getting to the point where they can use computers. I'm very, very proud of them. I don't know why in an Atlantic division where the Leafs, even though even if you're playing them well, is are like what? They're like what? Their goal differentials plus twenty five. They score a crap ton of goals. That's what they do. Even if the fancy stats say that they're due for a fall, and that's kind of what I think that say they say. I have not taken a look at uh, some of the underlying numbers in a bit. Yep. But that's that's generally what's gonna happen. The other thing, you may or may not run into uh, teams that could cause some real damage for you, and they're not just going to be all tough guys. They're not, you know, beating people up. They're not enforcing their will by physicality. They're just relentless. They don't stop. They don't have moments in their lineup where they where they the play noticeably slows down. Why on earth would you look at Tampa, Buffalo, Toronto, even if you think a couple of those teams are going to take a plunge, or even the way that Montreal has guys like Jesperi Kotkin Niemi going off, why would you look at that and say, yeah, they need an enforcer? Why would you say, yeah, they need to keep up with Washington physically when the first thing that happened this year, the very first iteration of the Boston Bruins in 2018-19, was getting blown out. Completely blown out. What possessed you to believe that was a good idea? I, I get it. It's frustrating to watch a team who you think is generally pretty good at keeping, them, keeping themselves protected, keeping their teams protected, keeping their star players protected, and they just it just can't get done, and they can't get around uh, some teams because that's just sometimes what happens. But frankly, I'm more concerned about when, and this is a more recent trend, when in third periods the Boston Bruins just stop playing, or at the very least their quality of shots and quality of attempts goes way, way down. That I'm more worried about than anything regarding toughness um, Bruce Cassidy, over this 
uh, last week pointed out something very important is that, you know, they don't have too many guys with size right now because they're all their guys with size or who are super skilled or super tough are all hurt. And the guys who have been answering the bell are the shrimps, like Grizzlick and, <laughs> and Krug and Corrali no, and all these little all the all these little short boys that are just angry and full of full of hatred just coming at you, and you know whether or not they win those fights or they get into those scrums, they're still answering the bell. So I think this is one of those things where fans really need to come to terms that there is a new kind of toughness in hockey. It's not just you know rock'em sock'em hockey that you might have watched when you were a kid. It's you know, these guys don't care as much as you might think. And if they do, that you notice you notice right away because it ends up being uh, – it ends up overtaking what should be the game. So, long story short, I think the idea is well-intentioned, but it's stupid. So, I think I'll just take a breath, say, let's just get healthy and see where we're at from there. Then you can see how tough they are. All right. Sean, how about you? This guy <laughs> stepping down from his pulpit. <laughs> that was Sean's turn. Um, I think the traditional um, traditional term for enforcer is just like out of the NHL at this point, mm. right? Like, I think the name that gets thrown around a lot now is Milan Lucic. Um, and I just can't imagine valuing that aspect for you know six million dollars on a long-term deal i don't know how how many years are left like three or four i think it's three it's like two years two years longer than bacchus right yeah um you know like i can't see like including this year so four more after this (laughs) jeez Oh yeah, I don't know. I can't see. I can't yeah. see anybody, even the Edmonton Oilers, valuing that. I mean, but I, I kind of, I'm not a huge fan of it. But like, I understand where people come from with like the toughness aspect. Like, I don't. The enforcer, as it was known, Sean Thornton's of the world are, are pretty much gone at this point, and you have to be able to play hockey at this point to play in the NHL. But like, I get how people like Wayne Simmons who you can drop the gloves but also play top six like I think it's just like this kind of fantasy that a lot of fans have and like I hate to break it to you but like those players don't really grow on trees and you're very lucky if they fall into your grasp so and I don't think the Bruins would have the assets if, if you're asking to be able to get get Wayne Simmons, even if he's available, and I don't know who else is even out there. Scott Hartnell used to be a good guy. Obviously, he's retired now, right? Like he, yeah, uh, hit yeah. a brick wall. But you know, he used to be that kind of guy. Um, there might be a couple others in the league that I'm just not well, thinking I mean, of. You, you think about but, like the? I, I really don't like this term, and that's probably just me being a loser. But like the power forward thing, like at the Bruins had Luch, like who was the prototypical for like a two year, maybe three year span. He was that guy. He was Wayne Simmons. And then like yeah. they went and signed David Backus to that just terrific, terrific contract. 
and and he was <laughs> sort of the same guy. You know, like he he's a power forward. He can score. He can he can hit. He can fight a little bit. And as we all know, if it wasn't obvious from day one, those guys don't age well. Like clearly, no, they well, don't. Yeah. Like you need you need to draft them, and like that's the only way that you're going to end up with them in your system is if you draft them. So going out and acquiring them, you're either going to overpay by a long shot or you're going to get a guy who can't play hockey. And when Bruins fans are going when Bruins fans complain about guys not being able to score and then you have an enforcer in the lineup who, you know, has bricks for hands and like the he's just a guy that's never going to score for you, you know, it, the next complaint comes up and now we don't want an enforcer. So I think it's just probably part of the fan base that it's either it's a narrative or they just kind of miss the old Bruins, mm-hmm. which was fun. Like I grew up, I, you know, I'm quite a bit younger <laughs> than you, Colin. Uh, yeah. So like I was in seventh grade for that Stanley Cup geez. final. I was in Iraq. And, um, <laughs> Love. And, <laughs> well, I know Iraq might be more fun than middle school. I would have to do homework. <laughs> Pro. But, um, get your boss. You know, <laughs> I get, uh, I get like where, where they might come from. It was fun to watch those tough Bruins teams, but the game has changed probably for the better. And, you know, I just don't think it's something you'd want. I don't, I don't understand the reason. Yeah, but... I, it's not like they're going to change. No. Like the rest of the division isn't going to pick up a enforcer because of that. Right. And as much as you'd like to believe. So that, that they're just going to get faster around you. That's what already has killed it. And if it hasn't for, in the fans' minds, that's what will eventually, I think. As uh, Sean is always quick to point out, I'm older <clears throat> than some. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I like a good hockey fight. I, I, I don't feel great about it these days, knowing all I do about stuff. But, like, yeah, I grew up with that. You know, people chucking knucks, just like jackhammers at each other. I get it. It was entertaining. You know, I grew up watching boxing and all that, but it like to Sky's point, you know, if the Bruins sign Ryan Reeves, the the Montreal Canadiens and the Maple Leafs aren't going to go sign, you know, some dude who's going to score four points a year and have two hundred penalty minutes. They're just going to keep putting out Tavares and Kadri and Matthews, and they're going to score on Ryan Reeves. And I want I'm not trying to pick on Ryan Reeves, but he's like one of the, the few true like enforcers really left in the league, and. You know, he is, he's part of that, like, you know, he, I don't like the term, but like you die and breathe. There's not a lot of those guys left anymore. And as much as it is entertaining, and even in the days of like Sean Thornton, even though he wasn't the biggest guy, like knowing you had Sean Thornton there, and if he dropped the gloves, he was probably going to win. It's entertaining from, you know, a fan perspective, and it is entertainment business. But one, if you're a fan, you should want your team to win. And I don't think those guys are contributing to the bottom line of winning and Two, like, obviously, head injuries aren't great. Like, you know, and that's something that I think eventually most fans are going to get on board with and realize, like, as much as we all enjoy it, you know, it's not what's best for the players. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't think that uh, the 
the team needs it, but I also don't think that that narrative is going to go away anytime soon in this city, you know, and some of it's media driven respectfully, <laughs> but like also mm. some of it is just, you know, there are a lot of older fans who grew up in eras, you know, we're getting out of that Bobby or era, you know, but even, you know, in the eighties and nineties, you know, people who grew up watching that, that was still a big part of it. So I don't know. I, I personally, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it'll help. God knows. I, I, I loved Lucic when he was here, but I don't want Lucic back on the Bruins. So that's just my question. not now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Sorry, Luch. Love you, buddy. But nope. <laughs> so I think we're all. 2018, you can stay. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement on that. And I, this is like just, I'm going off on a, a tangent here as an aside, but like, you know, hashtag shrimp squad here. But I, I love that you know, guys like Corrali and, you know, even Wagner, I know that, you know, he was brought in for that a little bit, but like these guys are not big. I love that, you know, Krug too, all of them. I love that they're willing to do that. Like, I know we all mock the grittiness and, and all that stuff, but like it, it does mean something to your teammates that you're willing to do it, you know? And like, there is some value to that. It's just, I also don't want Tory Krug chucking knucks at dudes i want tory Green mm. dropping 60 points scoring on the power play and being healthy and like every once in a while it's fine matt grizzly if you want to fight or whatever you probably shouldn't <laughs> neither should corrali sorry but like yeah. but i like, mean i frankly if god forbid i was dropped on an nhl team and then i was not immediately killed by the workout uh <laughs> i figured that I'd be more impressed by the little guy going to bat for me than the big guy that I know can do that because that lets me know that everyone's on board. But that's just me. Yeah, like, it's it's dumb. It's totally dumb. But, like, I come from the yeah. military. You know, like, it, it's a thing. Like, it may not make sense logically, but it's a thing. Teammates love it. I just don't like seeing yeah. crew trading five minutes in the box, you know, to fight some dude who plays 12 minutes a night. Like, and I also... Indeed. I don't want him getting hurt, you know, if I'm a fan and like, I don't know, I'd like to get away from that, but also Kevin Miller's, you know, been injured and Chara is another guy. I really just don't want to see fight as entertaining as watching Chara scare the living crap out of other players is like, we need Papa Chara out there on the ice. So I don't know. Absolutely. It's been an interesting sort of season to see, you know, like John Crawley got whooped. Sorry, Sean. Uh, yep. But like, you you pick a fight with a guy who's six six, you know, has four inches of reach on you. It's probably not going to go over well. God bless you for trying, but you know, you were destined to lose that fight. We'll we'll move on. We uh, we vented our spleen on the on the fighting topic, and the takeaway here, listeners, is that we do not want Milan Lucic back. Please, please stop telling us <laughs> you want Lucic back. Sean Thornton please, is not, not coming out of retirement. Sorry. He works in he works with the Florida Panthers. He works in Miami. You'd have to pull you'd have to drag him out of the out of the arena with a boatload of money. That's not gonna happen. Yep. Sorry. The closest thing we have to an enforcer is uh Matt Grizzlick. Just noted goon. Just, 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 <laughs> 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 noted goon. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll transition away from this. Um, one of the topics that uh, we had planned on talking about 
and then there was uh, some stuff written about it in various places today, um, you know, as well. But, you know, everyone's probably already talking about it is that um, Bruins management was spotted uh, theoretically, I guess, scouting. They were at uh, the Calgary versus Edmonton game, the Battle of Alberta last night. And, of course, Twitter did its thing. Social media did its thing where it's like, oh, are we trading for Ryan Spooner? Is he coming back? Are we going to get Connor McDavid for it's Matt Grizzlick? Time <laughs> to bring him home. Like, you know, so it, it's fun, admittedly. Like, obviously, it's fun to speculate about trades. It's not really my thing, but uh, I want to do a quick segment on this on, you know, if you're Don Sweeney or 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 whatever, who who are you trading for? You go up and down the Edmonton Oilers lineup. Is there someone that you say, like, hell yeah? that's an asset that they should be interested in and is feasible or is it, you're just going to tell me, nah, like GMs catch a lot of games. It happens. And we know that we're in the press box. There are always scouts there are always GMs there, but play along. If you will, let's take a look at the Oilers roster and tell me, you know, pick maybe one or two guys you think that might be reasonable and, and worthwhile. It's tough. Cause there's, a couple of guys I feel like on both squads that could probably do with a change of scenery. Um, I know that they just got him and it would be impossible to dislodge him from that lineup. But man, I wish that they had the opportunity to during this offseason and they didn't get Elias Lindholm. Uh, he is a Calgary player and his five on five stuff, stuff his uh, shot share, his his shots for and against, and his expected goals for percentage is so good. Yes. Oh, my God. He's so good. Shout out to me, oh me owning him in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. I can, Shout I can out attest. Yeah, 16 goals, 18 assists, 34 points, and 31 games played. He has been so good. Far more than I think Calgary even expected. He, he's been incredible so far this year. That being And on the other side, on the other side, oh, sorry. But on the other side, um, there are really only two names that come to mind because they technically fill the void that I want to see from them. Um, there is uh, my hope is that by looking at this kid, because they've been try- they've been doing this poor kid dirty all all year long, is Puljujarvi, who has been not great. He's been also playing probably the dregs of the Oilers for most of his uh, run or Oscar Clefbaum, which was another player that would take an arm and a leg to get, but he's still pretty much the answer to what are you going to do without Zdeno Chara in a year or two? He's seems to be doing okay. All things considered his five on five numbers haven't suffered super bad is, I mean, his points share has gone down, but that's fine. He's a defenseman and and hey, Peter Chiarelli's in charge. Who knows what it would take to get to get a half decent player out of him? We've already seen that you can convince him that some pretty bad players, in hindsight, are actually quite worth the uh, worth the investment. So you never know. Maybe float Wiley Sherman. Maybe float Forsbacher uh, Carlson. Something like that at them. You never know. And that, I think, is the real fun part about... Uh, I think that's actually why uh, people went off 
on Twitter and on social media about the Oilers because we know that the Oilers will do whatever dumb thing they want and no one can predict them. No one could possibly imagine the kinds of boneheaded trades they've made with Chirelli at the helm, with the asset mismanagement that they've done. You could convince yourself that you could make a pretty big steal if you're calling Peter Chirelli every other day. <laughs> you done, Sky? I might be. And um, um, no, going ahead. Yeah, I think I agree with you on the uh, on the Edmonton players, and that you could probably fool uh, Peter Chirelli. Um, just because I don't think I think it's more of I don't know people people talk about Krug, and I don't understand that because in my opinion he's only traded away skill for guys he thinks are good two-way players that, um, I mean, Adam Larson's actually, he's a, he's a decent player. Obviously he's nowhere as close to Taylor Hall. Like, so he's always going to take like too much heat for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't see Tory Krug's been like the most talked about player in which the Bruins would give up. And I can't see that happening. Um, I could see it happening, just not in season, mm. right? Like, I think you have a major effect on the locker room oh, yeah. if you trade away a guy like Tory Krug in the middle of the season. I understand it. I think it's it's business in the off season, and also you give time for, you know, grieving. Yeah, like you're forcing a guy away from a city, away from his friends. You know, him and his wife have have a home here. I would assume. I assume they have a home in the Boston area. I know he's from Michigan. Um, I can pay for it, like, so no excuse. Yeah, but you know, it, it it is. They are humans, after all. I think sometimes people forget that, and um, so I, I just can't see that happening in the middle of the season, right? Because mm-hmm. like the talk is Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Tory Krug. And I just can't see it happening in the middle of the season. Um, I think it would be more of like maybe a depth piece from Edmonton. I don't know what Edmonton – I mean, they're bad for a reason. I don't understand. I don't know what assets they'd give up. They're kind of like that weird team that um, – Poyarvi is uh, – I know I didn't pronounce that right, but I'm not – I tried to learn Finnish one time, and it just it didn't, didn't go well. It didn't stick. Um. Yeah, I just I I have such an English tongue. I think like sometimes French words and everything they come out weird. Mm. But um, he he's kind of he's interesting because like as guy said, like he's kind of been buried and in my opinion, like completely mistreated by the organization. Uh, Yamamoto is probably someone who they're not going to give up, you know, cheap, but is obviously cheaper than. R and H, um, but it's kind of like a weird roster. But I, I just think Jimmy maybe it was <laughs> Juzer Kyra no. is second line center. Or, or no, actually, second line uh, left wing. I it's so top. It's so top heavy. It's so top heavy because you know they have two very good players in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and then. 
I'd include, I think he's a little bit below their class. And then you start talking about Clef Bomb and R&H. And then below that, there's like nothing. There's Ryan Spooner. Right. There's Ryan well, Spooner. That is a big, His, big drop off. See, I, I would take, I would take, I would take Ryan Spooner back in a heartbeat for like, if, it, if you, if he was a pending UFA mm-hmm. on a, like a decent deal, like this is so that you can afford it. But he's on three he's on the first year. Yeah. He you know, so like I don't think um oh wait, I thought it was a four million dollar deal. Three, yes, three it is because he got paid. Because and and they um yeah, it's like a two year four million dollar deal, no? Three point one um, for yeah. three point one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. But still I I, I wouldn't um I don't want to have him next year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just, we tried Ryan Spooner. I don't think it worked out, but I would yeah, take him back. Stop for It'd be okay. Yeah. But if you're. Yeah. But because there's that second year, I wouldn't take him. Right. And, and yep. they don't. Let's see. They have pending RFAs, obviously. Their awesome. pending UFA is Shason, who I'd have no interest in. Um, Kyle Brock, Chris yeah. Weidman, <laughs> Chris Weidman, Chris Weidman. I definitely have, I'd have interest in, but um, they Bruins have like too many D on a healthy roster as it is. I know, like obviously they're very unhealthy right now, um, are very injured, sickly. Um, yeah, so it makes no sense to try to get Chris Weidman unless you're trying to put. Um, you know, a piece or two on them, but you're not getting a big, you're not getting a big uh, return anyway. So I, I don't, I don't know. It, I just can't see the two teams making a deal. I feel like it was probably as much as it was, you know, business as well. I think part of it was probably just Don just kind of getting away and maybe going to see an old friend and and you know, kind of getting two birds with one stone. I, I, I don't see them being able to do business. Yeah. Either. So enjoying beautiful Edmonton Oilers oiled popcorn. Yeah. I, I smother <laughs> it all right on there. I think uh, the easy, you know, the, the, the like, uh, what's the term looking for here? Like skin deep, I guess you look at it and say like, oh, he must be, must be scouting, you know, Shirley's team, hoping to fleece him. But like I said, you look at that roster and like, we don't need to bag on not much to any more than everyone already has. But I mean, it it's not great, and the few good players like Sean mentioned are well out of the Bruins. You know, like it's just not feasible. They're not going to trade for Connor McDavid or Drysaitel or Harnage, or and if they did, it would it have to include Krug and probably other pieces. And you get into that whole argument of like you take two, you know, one step forward, two steps back, sort of thing. And I just I don't see that. And the flip side is, like, he could have been there to scout Calgary, theoretically, but Calgary's doing pretty well for themselves, and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. Person yeah, second. I don't I don't think that they're going to trade, but I do, like, the one name that I just think is interesting, you know, I'm just curious, like, you know, Austin Zarnick has been alternating in and out of the lineup there. He's on a two-year contract at 1.25 per year. I'm curious. Would you would if you're Don? Would you give up, you know, a an asset to get him back to fix your third line center role? Because I I think he would be a better option at third line than JFK or Cave or 
Bacchus or the other 1,700 people that they've tried there. I mean, I mean, I think, go ahead, Sky. Uh, well, the obvious answer to that is can't be much worse, but <laughs> it would. It, I think it'd be, especially for NHL GMs who are still human, it'd be, I don't, I'm not sure it'd be a super great PR move for the team to go, hey, we gave up this guy. And now we realize we didn't really know what we had in him. And so, hey, bud, welcome back. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, he's playing pretty well in the maybe 10 minutes a night he gets every other two weeks. But it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I'm sure you could convince uh, Trelleving? Trelleving? Yep. I'm, yes, Trelleving. That, uh, that is an investment worth taking. All right, so let me step in again here and propose this. Because the money works. Mm-hmm. It's even, exactly even money and term. Chris Wagner for Austin Zarnick. Do you make that trade? Yeah. Uh, twice on Sundays. Sorry, Walpole. We love you, Walpole. <laughs> Sorry. We're actually sending Walpole, the entire <laughs> city, for just cutting it out like it's a Looney Tunes cartoon and sending it off to Alberta. Congratulations. You are all now Canadian citizens. Yeah, I mean, Wagner probably has a little bit of value, but even if you have to throw in a second or a third or, like, whatever, I don't know. But, like, I make that trade. Because this third-line center thing, as much as JFK has looked, like, marginally better, I I don't think this year he's an answer. I know he's going to end up being great, and I'm going to look like an idiot. It happens. But, like, I, I just don't see it with him right now. So like everyone thought that the automobile wasn't gonna kick uh, kick in. You never know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think Zarnik's like you know a great player or anything, but I think that he could help you. And he's definitely being mismanaged in Calgary. You know, I even their their beat guys are saying as much. You, if you follow the team, a lot of them are like wondering why he's getting scratched when he's looked productive in the the limited minutes that he's getting. So he'd be interesting, but I think if we've learned anything covering this team is that, you know, we expect it to be X and it's going to be Y, and that Y is going to be Don Sweeney 100% trading for James Neal and his five, <laughs> five-year contract at <laughs> $5.75 million per year. And I say this as the one dude in Boston who actually advocated for signing James Neal in the off season <laughs> might be my worst take I might be my one. worst take i remember that one yeah i told you so said, in fairness <laughs> they have also mismanaged james neal like i'm sorry james neal scored 20 goals or more every season's been in the league he goes to calgary and he's just been like abysmal but like how much of that is james neal and how much is the team not using him correctly like he's legit one of the best goal scorers in the league like if you're not going to use him in those situations that's I don't, I don't follow Calgary every game, but like obviously his contract was way, way too long, way too much money. But like that's the kind of deal I'm like, I'd lose sleep over <laughs> if I'm a Bruins fan. We all think he's going there to, to scout, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and he's going to come back with James Neal on his five year contract to play alongside David Backus with the world's most expensive fourth line. <sighs> yeah, sorry for that nightmare, Bruins fans. Sorry. I, I, need a, I need a drink yeah. after hearing that. <laughs> but, like, that, that's when I think of Sweeney making trades. That's, that's what I see. 
you know. So we'll we'll see. Huh. I don't know. I you know if they wanted you to never know if they want to absorb half his contract. Eh, maybe then you look at it, but even then, you know, it goes all the way through 2022, 23. And, you know, I think the Bruins are trying to get that, that sort of money off their books right now. Not, not trying to put it on. I hope so. Mm. We'll see. Definitely going to be a fun off season next year. Or even this one. Yep. Who knows? We'll never know. All right. So that's until we get there. That's our trade speculation. 2018. Um, We'll uh we'll move into just a quick uh, look ahead at the next few weeks. Um, we actually have the Winter Classic coming up, which is crazy, you know, on January first. Um, if there's any healthy players left to even compete in that for the Bruins, but um, I find I for one think it's really nice that hey, we've hyped up a product in the middle of South Bend, Indiana, and everyone's saying it's going to be one of the greatest things ever. And then what's probably going to happen is. Uh, two teams that are profoundly, profoundly overrated and probably very, very not as good as we all expected them to be show up and play a pretty mediocre game. Surely in the history of South Bend, that has never, ever happened <laughs> whatsoever. What about Notre Dame? Hmm. Yeah. What about what? Interesting what if... <laughs> you bring that up. What about Notre Dame? What about the police? Sorry, Winter Classic in Copland. That's Sorry what about Andrew Bjork. Don't don't listen to us earmuffs. Yeah, yeah. definitely don't want to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I that I will that Winter Classic game. I, I I I don't know. I think Winter Classic games are like cool the first couple times they did it, and the novelty is just like immediately yeah. worn off for me. Even you know with the Bruins being in it like a hundred times now, but like it'd be way cooler if you know they kept it to one game. Maybe even two if you wanted it to be an all-Canada thing. Even but, one game to me is like, especially if it's going to be the Blackhawks every year versus like, you know, the Penguins and Bruins alternating. Like, yeah, that's the other <laughs> thing is that why not, why not pull up a team that no one has even thought of or the vast majority of hockey media isn't thinking about? Like, why not have the Winter Classic in uh, Arizona State Stadium versus the Coyotes and Florida? Yeah, Let's just get weird. You say that the NHL would totally do that. It'd be Las Vegas versus. Are you Arizona. kidding me? Yeah. I'd go to that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's exactly the kind of crazy stuff that I know that the NHL can do, and they just refuse to do it because they're cowards. Yeah. Instead, we're going to have guys. We're going to have the Chicago Blackhawks every other year, basically being, uh, getting an opportunity to be on TV, on NBC, mostly to get killed. That's the other thing is that, you know, we spend all this time talking about the Chicago Blackhawks getting favoritism and all that when it comes to the Winter Classic. If I were a Blackhawks fan, I'd never want to go to another Winter Classic again because they lose. They've lost every one of them except one. They've lost every single outdoor game except one that they played. To be fair, the, the Bruins dropped a massive turd on us again. <laughs> In their last one, so they're five hundred. It's yeah, cool. The, the Philly one was was good, but I mean, like yeah. a Winter Classic with the Bruins in it, and there's no Chara, no Bergeron. Presumably, hopefully, they're back. But you know, we're close enough now where they very, very may well not play in that game. 
Like, what's the point? Mm. I mean, like, Pasta's great. Marchand's great. Like, they're still good players. But, like, if you're going to have... Don't you want to see what that Winter Classic jersey is with, like, straining to try and keep first Baca Carlson's name on it? Hell, yeah. I I guarantee you, they weren't ready for that. Steven Kampfer. Yep, that's who I am looking forward to watching in the... Sure am ready to see. Uh, Let's go down the depth chart here. Uh, Uh, Jamel Smith, who, by the way, was a recent pickup, yep. who played for, play for the Boston Bruins in the Winter Classic. 0-2 in the Jamel Smith era. Yeah. The GOAT. Yeah. We're, we're clearly, it's already over for the Blackhawks. They shouldn't even come. Yep. No. It should just be an inter-team inter, inter, uh, scrimmage. That's the thing. Like, I mean, I think the Bruins are better than they look right now, obviously, with injuries. But, like, I don't know if I consider the Bruins contenders right now. And then, look, the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks are not good. Like, they're not trying to be good. Really. <laughs> yeah, they so, suck. Like, I, it's just, I know that the, you know, NBC and the league didn't necessarily know that was going to be the case. But, like, your team, your team yeah, is Kays and Kane, and that's that's pretty much it. The shell of, you know, Seabrook. Like, they're not going to be good. So, yeah. not. I, I, who could have guessed? <laughs> well, if you watch Chicago's offseason, you should have known. <laughs> You had a you had a every warning sign and you just plowed right through it. Yeah, you got to the house with a guy with a hockey mask and chainsaw. This is your own fault at this point. Yeah, so I I mean I'll still watch it because I love hockey. I'm going to watch everything. What else? But like that that's just not a good winter classic. I don't love the location. I don't love the opponents. I don't love the skill Certainly level. Don't love the location. Like it's just and I I thought about flying out there to cover it you know like hey it'd be cool to tell my grandkids i covered the winter classic with the bruins and blackhawks and like blackhawks were my second team growing up my grandfather like got drafted by him or whatever and like it's like it would have been cool for me but like i'm not paying 600 bucks or whatever to fly out there to watch a one one or one zero game and on the week of christmas too yeah like it's just like christmas comes on a monday this year uh you've got maybe Oh, roughly a week that I'm sure is not going to be completely filled to the gills with people trying to get back to Indianapolis or, or whatever the hell to go watch a regular season hockey game that means nothing between two teams that are not going to be as good as they should be. And on top of that, you got to deal with Notre Dame people, <laughs> which is the worst part of it all. Sorry, Anders. My God. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's going to be a dud. Like even if the Bruins come out and they play well and it's entertaining, it's still just it's just a stupid regular season game. Like I'm sorry, like I don't know, not my thing. But frankly, I'm cool with the jersey. I think it looks okay. I would take the take or leave the game. I'd have much preferred this to just be a regular season contest, contest in a normal building. And let's just throw two teams that have never played each other in the Winter Classic that. No one would have even considered next time. Let's just go crazy. If you're going to have these outdoor games, do something, do something ballistic. Yeah, there we go. Let's have, it in a NAS- Let's have it in the NASCAR arena. Nope, Seattle. The new Seattle Rink, one. Uh, racetrack? Yeah. Have it, have it have going on during they did. a race, racing event. That'd be cool. Uh, do- they did a... Um... A football game inside uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. Oh yeah, a couple years ago at a uh, you know which is like hundreds. I think they sat they could sit like hundred ten, hundred twenty thousand people in Tennessee 
which is uh, obviously Nashville Predators, which are a very popular team. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, NHL loves their Blackhawks because, um, you know, you got to think of the business side of it as well. Uh, you know, you're going to get more people to turn around, tune uh, in. They're fourth most valuable franchise in the NHL. Um and they just bring in views. So if you did Blackhawks Preds inside Bristol Motor Speedway, that could be interesting. That'd be that'd be sick. That, I I don't know how the signing would work though, because like that obviously a football field, it a football game might be easier to kind of follow along, and obviously a big it's a half mile track. Yeah. Um. You know, so it might be it might be too big of a facility. Um. But that's a very interesting um, uh, look. I just want to see idea who you had. I just want to see who brings a t-shirt cannon to shoot a catfish onto the ice. <laughs> you know, someone in Nashville's got one. I think one. you're gonna get a call from Peta. You're gonna get a call from Peta on that one. Uh, I think that Bridgestone sends the, all of those inquiries to the uh, uh, yes to the Colorado Avalanche and. I think it's actually listed on their website. Any complaints? Please go. Please go to at Patrick Waugh. Yeah, I, I did not expect NASCAR and catfish references in this episode, but and never, <laughs> never, like never in a million years because of the business side, like Sean mentioned, happened. But like the novelty of Winter Classic is just gone for me. Like it, it it's not special. One hundred percent. So you got it. So you got to put it back yeah, in. What would be, and that requires taking risks. Yeah, catfishing and, and shooting them out of cannons. But yeah, what yeah. I would like to see, and like again, never going to happen. But like in Colin's stupid brain, it's just like literally like a pond hockey, like northern Canada, like mountains in the background, like no crowds. Just get the camera crew out there on an empty pond and watch two NHL teams play. Like I would watch the crap out of that. Give me that. Give me good camera work. And just like open pond hockey with NHL teams, I'll watch that. The novelty will wear off if they do it six times a year. But like that, you have my interest. But watching the Bruins or the Blackhawks play in yet another regular season game that they hype up for an entire year just to watch the Bruins lose, like, eh, eh, not my thing. Well, as I've stated, History is on their side, so they're probably going to win that game. It's just not going to be as fun as you think it is. If they don't, I'm blaming you, Sky. That's <laughs> okay. I can live Responsibility with that. is on your shoulders. I can absolutely live with that kind of pain. All right. And with pain, we'll wrap this up. We went long on this episode. Thank you to all of our listeners. <laughs> listeners. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at SBUnsupervised. You can follow me, if you're brave enough, at C. Beswick on Twitter. You can follow Sean at the Sean Ferris. And Sky, I believe yours is at Sky on Air. Is that what it is? At Sky on Air underscore. There you go. Follow Some prick who had at Sky on Air. <laughs> follow the man. As always, we are legitimately open. If you want to leave comments, feedback, ratings, whatever, you want to tell us what uh, topics you want to hear about or tell us that we're terrible, cool tell us about a goal that you liked yeah so, cool. <laughs> tell us how wrong we are we're used to it but uh thanks for listening um i did send it to at scott matlock 
you leave Scort out of this. Um, <laughs> I did want to tease. We are expecting to have a, a very special guest in a special episode that will drop either Friday, um, this coming Friday, or Monday. Uh, so for those following along at home, that will be the 14th or the 17th, respectively. Uh, don't want to give away too much, but uh, I'll share more on Twitter as it becomes available. Uh, otherwise, you'll hear from us in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you, Sky and Sean.